Welcome to another edition of Sean's Sports Show. This is episode number 50. Yes, a bit of a milestone here. The first one here. So uh, today's Wednesday, April 25th, 2018. And we're coming at you live from the usual Los Angeles, California. We're going to be covering the breaking news in sports as well as the Los Angeles sports teams. So the first thing we're going to be talking about has, has to do with the European soccer. So England and Liverpool mid- midfielder Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain will miss the summer's 2018 FIFA World Cup in Russia after suffering a knee injury against Roma. The Merseyside club released a statement on Wednesday confirming the news after scans revealed knee ligament damage. Uh, he, uh, Chamberlain wrote on Twitter, quote, absolutely devastated to have picked up this injury at such a crucial time in, in the season. Gutted I won't be able to play any further uh, part now in our Champions League run for Liverpool and also the World Cup with England. But I know it's all about supporting the boys and getting behind them. I know we have what it takes to do something special in this tournament. I'm going to give everything I have to make sure I'm back as quickly as possible. He also added his thoughts are with the Reds, uh, with the Liverpool fan who was attacked ahead of Tuesday's game. However, this all pales in comparison to how the family of the Liverpool fan badly hurt before last night's game must be feeling. My thoughts are with him and his loved ones. Thanks for all, thanks for all your kind words, messages, and support. I'll see you soon. Oxlade-Chamberlain went down under a challenge in Liverpool's 5-2 defeat of the Italian side on Tuesday and was stretchered off after 18 minutes. Liverpool did not confirm exactly how long the 24-year-old will be sidelined but explained the damage is severe enough to rule him out for the rest of the 2017-18 season and the World Cup as well. Immediately, it is a concern for Liverpool who will uh, will have to face Wednesday's UEFA Champions League semi-final second leg against Roma and likely a final given their first leg lead with only three recognized first-team midfielders. The Reds manager Jurgen Klopp has been left with only Jordan Henderson, James Milner, and uh, Jorginho Wilnadum to rely upon as Emery Cannon and Adam Lalana are also occupied on the treatment table. Uh, this That might not be such a huge concern were it not for the fact that Liverpool have still not guaranteed themselves a top four Premier League finish this term. They are eight points ahead of fifth place Chelsea but have played a game more than the Blues and also have to travel to Stamford Bridge to take on Chelsea on May the 6th. Meanwhile, England manager Gareth Southgate will likely have been planning to utilize Oxlade-Chamberlain regularly at the World Cup, given he has enjoyed a resurgent 2018 season after his move from Arsenal to Anfield. So it's unfortunate, and uh, my take on this is um, I still think Liverpool is going to at least make the Champions League final and lose in the finals, but it's a big blow for England, definitely. So now switching gears to the NBA, the San Antonio Spurs are reportedly planning to hold off uh, excuse me, to hold an off-season meeting with Kawhi Leonard to determine his long-term future with the organization. According to ESPN.com's Michael C. Wright, and, and in quote, all hands on deck meeting with Leonard is, quote, high on the priority list. Wright added that head coach Greg Popovich is expected to spearhead the meeting to see if the two sides can continue working together. Leonard missed all but nine games this season due to a nagging quad injury. San Antonio was eliminated from its first-round playoff series with the Golden State Warriors. Um... In Game 5 on Tuesday, and Leonard didn't play. He returned after missing nearly two months to start the season, but he was never able to get comfortable and didn't play again in 2017-18 after a January 13 game against the Denver Nuggets. The, 24, the 2014 Finals MVP potential return was an ongoing storyline. His teammates were asked about it uh, on a daily basis, or on a pretty consistent basis, and in March, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski um, reported the Spurs held a players-only meeting in which he was implored to play. Veteran forward Rudy Gay shot down the notion that the meeting was, quote, tense and, quote, emotional, saying, quote, I've been on a lot of teams and obviously things get discussed. I wouldn't say it was a legit team meeting. It was just one of those things where we all got together and we talked about things that were going on. 
per RJ Marcus of KSAT. On April 1st, Wojnarowski reported Leonard returned to New York for a second time to rehab. Updates were pretty sparse after that. Um, so, um, the 26-year-old Leonard will enter the final guaranteed year of his contract in 2018-19, and he could become a free agent prior to the 2019-20 campaign due to a player option. That makes getting a long, long-term commitment key since the Spurs may have to explore the trade market if Leonard does not want to remain with them. Leonard is arg- arguably the NBA's best two-way player when healthy, and he finished third in MVP voting last season. <coughs> Excuse me. After averaging 25.5 points, 5.8 rebounds, and 3.5 assists a game, if the Spurs are going to continue to be a power in the Western Conference, getting Leonard healthy and locking him down is crucial. Um, that's just my take on it, and uh, San Antonio needs Kawhi to be successful. So now, another story inside the world of the NFL, and actually the first one of the day. Former Dallas Cowboys wide receiver Des Bryant will reportedly wait until after this week's 2018 NFL Draft to sign with a new team. On Wednesday, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network reported Bryant, who's been a free agent since the Cowboys released him on April 13th, quote, is not expected to ink a new deal before the draft. The 29-year-old playmaker told Mike Fisher of 247 Sports last week he's researching for the right fit, maybe with one of Dallas's division rivals and not necessarily the best financial offer. Quote, it won't be about money, Brian said. It won't be about market value. No, no, not at all. He added, I'm, quote, I'm kind of hoping it's an NFC East team. If it's somewhere else, that's fine, but I'd like to play the Cowboys twice. Adam Schefter of ESPN reported after his release that the Arizona Cardinals, Baltimore Ravens, Buffalo Bills, and Green Bay Packers were among the organizations with potential interest. Um, so, yeah, I think he'll sign somewhere, though, definitely. So now a story inside the world of college basketball. The Commission on College Basketball is calling for the NCAA to make sweeping reforms to the way it handles corruption in the sport. According to Jill Martin, Jill Martin of CNN, um, the Condoleezza Rice-led uh, the Condoleezza Rice-led commission, commission wants to replace show-cause penalties against coaches in extreme instances of cheating with lifetime bans. The commission also wants to change the way the NBA draft is handled. Rice said, "Quote: One and done has got to go, has to go one way or another." Excuse me. Quote, the NCAA appreciates the thorough review and comprehensive work by the Commission on College Basketball. NCAA President Mark Emmert said in a statement via Martin, the Board of Governors and Division I Board of Directors will now review the independent commission's recommendations to determine the appropriate next steps. After the commission's, re- uh, after the commission's recommendations, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reported the NBA and, NBA and NBA Players Association are targeting the 2020 NBA draft as the earliest possible date for the elimination of the one-and-done rule. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver and NBA Executive Director uh, Michelle Roberts said the following in a joint statement to Martin regarding the recommendations. Quote, the NBA and the NBA uh, Players Association thank Secretary Rice and the members of the Commission on College Basketball for their commitment to address the issues facing men's college basketball. We support NCAA policy and enforcement reforms that will better safeguard the well-being of players while imposing greater accountability on representatives and programs that fail to uphold the values of the game. We also share the Commission's concern with the current state of youth basketball and echo that all stakeholders, including the NBA, NBA Players Association, NCAA, and USA Basketball, have a collective responsibility to help bring out bring about uh, positive change. Regarding the NBA's draft eligibility rules, the NBA and NBA Players Association will continue to address them in order to promote the best interests of players and the game. On the heels of the Commission's release uh, of a 60-page report, Rice is scheduled to meet with the NCAA's Board of Governors and Division I Board of Directors on Wednesday. 
The commission recom uh, recommended the NCAA allowed outside entities to make those decisions for the most serious cases of cheating. It also called for level uh, one violations to be punishable by a postseason ban of up to five years, rather than one in rather than one, and for coaches to receive suspensions of up to one year. A call was also made for the NBA to get rid of the age restriction for its draft. If that doesn't happen, the commission said it would consider other options, including making freshmen ineligible. Uh, players who go undrafted are barred from returning to college basketball, but the commission wants to change that rule, provided the players return to the player returns to the same school. One thing Rice's group doesn't want to do is pay athletes to play college basketball. Although there is seemingly growing support for college players to be compensated, the commission wrote the quote: "The goal should not be to turn college basketball into another professional league." On that end, the committee wants more NCAA involvement and transparency when it comes to the high school-aged AAU circuit and dealings with apparel companies on the heels of Adidas's uh, involvement in an FBI investigation. NCAA President Mark Emmert and the commission are reportedly hoping to implement uh, changes by August. So this is pretty big right here. Uh, I'm, I'm all for everything except um, I do think that college athletes should be paid at least a little bit because, yes, a scholarship is nice, as I mentioned, but it's just not enough for them. So now a story that has to do with um, basketball as well. Uh, the Ball family. Lamelo and Leangelo Ball's time with BC Vitautas in Lithuania has come to an end after three months. Per Lithuanian journalist Don, uh, Donatas Urbonis, Lavar Ball said he's bringing his sons back home to Los Angeles because Leangelo is dealing with an ankle injury and Lamelo wasn't getting much playing time for Vitautas. Quote, we're not going to waste our time no more, Ball said. Urbonis noted Lonzo Ball is currently in Prene visiting with his family and they will travel back to the United States either Sunday or Monday. Lavar's decision uh, came after Vitautas announced Leangelo and Lamelo wouldn't play in Wednesday's game against uh, CULI due to injuries. Per Yahoo Sports Champs journey, Leangelo Ball's agent has submitted paperwork to make the 19-year-old eligible for the 2018 NBA draft in June. In 14 games with Vitautas, excluding the big baller brand challenge exhibition, Leangelo ranked second on the team with 12.6 points a game. He shot 41.5% from three-point range. Lamelo, on the other hand, averaged only 20, averaged only 12.4 minutes a game in eight games. He averaged six and a half points and 2.4 assists, but shot only 26.8% overall and 15, which is 15 point 15 of 56. So, um, my take on this is, uh, it seems like the good move for Lavar and the family. I, I actually think Leangelo Ball will make it to the NBA, whether or not he will be drafted, but I think he's going to make the league uh, one way or another. So now a story inside the world of the NFL. National Football League owners expressed concern about continued attacks from United States President Donald Trump throughout an October meeting with players about kneeling during the national anthem and the free agent status of quarterback Colin Kaepernick, who led the movement. On Wednesdays, on Wednesday, Ken Belson and Mark Leibovich of the New York Times reported details from the gathering after obtaining audio from the three-hour conversation, which NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell urged those in attendance to keep, quote, confidential. Quote, all Donald needs to do is to start to do this again, Buffalo, own, Buffalo Bills owner Terry Pegula said. We need some kind of immediate plan because of what's going on in society. All of us now, we need to put a band-aid on what's going on in the country. Philadelphia Eagles owner Jeffrey Lurie added, quote, we've got to be careful not to be baited by Trump or whomever else. We have to find a way to not be divided and not get baited. In September, Trump said during a political rally in Alabama that NFL owners should fire players who don't stand during the anthem. Quote, for a week... Uh, that owner would be the most popular person in this country, in this country, because that's a total disrespect of our heritage. That's a total disrespect for everything we stand for, Trump said. The protest, which Kaepernick started in August of 2016 as a way to highlight social injustice and police brutality, became a polarizing issue for the NFL and a frequent target for Trump. 
Quote, I am not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color, Kaepernick told Steve Weick of NFL Media. To me, this is bigger than football, and it would be selfish on my part to look the other way. There are bodies in the street and people getting paid leave and getting away with murder. The 30-year-old Wisconsin native has remained a free agent since opting out of his contract with the San Francisco 49ers in March of 2017. New England, own, New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft referred to the kneeling as an as in, quote, elephant in the room in a meeting and lamented how Trump used it as a political tool to fire up his base, per Belson and Leibovich. Quote, the problem we have is we have a president who will use that as fodder to do his mission that I don't feel is in the best interest of America, Kraft said. It's divisive and it's horrible. Meanwhile, Houston Texans owner Bob McNair asked for players to get their teammates to stop taking a knee so the side could begin working together on solutions. Quote, you fellas need to ask your compadres, Fellas, stop that other business. Let's go out and do something that really produces positive results and will help you, he said. McNair came out under fire after an account of a follow-up meeting of owners only published by Seth Wickersham and Don Van Natta Jr. of ESPN.com quoted him as saying the league couldn't, uh, quote, have the inmates running the prison. The New York Times reported noted Philadelphia Eagles defensive end Chris Long supported Kaepernick and said, quote, we all agree in this room as players that he should be on a roster. Quote, if he was on a roster right now, all this negativeness and divisiveness could be tuned in, turned into a positive, Long said. Earlier this month, ESPN.com's Adam Schefter reported the Seattle Seahawks postponed a planned workout with Kaepernick because he, quote, declined to say he would stop kneeling during the national anthem next season. So um, I usually uh, report the news and give my take, but I'm not, <coughs> excuse me. I'm not going to be giving my take about anything that has to do with politics and uh, controversies. Controversy, so. So now, another story, kind of, you know, following up on what I already covered. A change to the NBA's one-and-done rule reportedly may be in the works for the 2020 NBA draft. According to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, as I said, the NBA and NBA PA are discussing a revision, and the 2020 draft is likely the earliest it would be implemented. If a change is agreed upon, it will allow high school seniors to enter the draft without having to spend a year in college or an, or an alternative professional league. Wojnarowski's re uh, report came on the heels of a report from the Commission of College Basketball, which recommended the end of the one-and-done rule per Jill Martin of CNN. Um, changing the one-and-done one rule has been in place since 2006, but several players successfully went from high school to the NBA before that, including LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, and Kevin Garnett. Changing the one-and-done rule has been a hot topic and issue in recent years. Its implementation has essentially forced players to attend college even if they don't want to, having them risk injury before uh, getting an NBA contract. In March, ESPN's Brian Windhorst reported the NBA was exploring the possibility of expanding the G League in order to make it a viable option for players who would rather play professionally for a year than go to college before entering the draft. Windhorst also reported that the NBA wants to interact more with elite-level players in high school to prepare them to prepare them for success in the NBA, and that could be the first logical step toward making one and done a thing of the past. So my, my take on this is this uh, this seems like a good move uh, for the NBA and for the players, and uh, it just makes sense for everyone. So now a, a surprising story to me in the NFL. An unnamed NFL offensive coordinator, what a surprise, said University of Louisville quarterback Lamar Jackson won't stick at the position throughout, the, throughout his NFL career. On Tuesday, Tom Pelissero of NFL.com passed along comments from coaches and scouts about the top quarterback prospects, and one was quick to shoot down Jackson's potential as a passer. Quote, he's an awesome athlete. He will not be able to play quarterback in this league. Mark my words, the offensive coordinator said, when he throws, he hopes. Jackson faced questions about a possible switch to wide receiver at the NFL scouting combine in March. The Cardinals standout replied by saying he's, quote, strictly a quarterback and wouldn't be interested in playing for a team that wanted him to change possessions, uh, positions.
quote, that's crazy. Jackson told reporters in Indianapolis, I thought it, I thought I did a good job at quarterback. I thought I did, you know, but he, but hey, they say what they want to say. I'm here now. I'm happy to be here. Now I just have to show my ability. The 21-year-old Florida native com completed 57% of his throws for 9,043 yards with 69 touchdowns and 27 interceptions in 38 games in three years of in at Louisville. He added 4,132 rushing yards and 50 scores on the ground. He received numerous accolades following the 2016 season, highlighted by the Heisman Trophy and Associated Press Player of the Year Award. He was named the ACC Player of the Year each of his final two seasons with Louisville. While Jackson is not the most polished passer in this year's loaded quarterback class, that honor goes to either USC's Sam Darnold or UCLA's Josh Rosen, in my opinion. He's perhaps the most explosive all-around playmaker from the group. That's a close race between him and Oklahoma's Baker Mayfield. Anonymous doubters aside, Jackson has done more than enough to warrant an opportunity to prove himself as a quarterback in the NFL. He's a good bet to come off the board during Thursday's first round, which starts at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Possible landing spots include the Arizona Cardinals at number 15, Buffalo Bills at number 22, or New England Patriots at number 23. So my take on this is I think that he's good enough to, to be a quarterback of the NFL and be a first-round first draft pick as well. So the more news surrounding the NFL draft. The Cleveland Browns are reportedly deciding between two quarterbacks, the Oklahoma Sooners Baker Mayfield or Wyoming Cowboys Josh Allen with the number one overall pick in the 2018 NFL draft. On Wednesday, Mark Kaybot of Cleveland.com reported the Browns have, quote, cooled on the USC's, uh, USC Trojans Sam Darnold ahead of Thursday's first round at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. One source expressed extreme confidence to Kaybot that Cleveland will select Allen. Quote, you can take it to the bank, the top-level uh, NFL personnel executive said. Meanwhile, Mayfield made it clear during the NFL scouting combine last month that he wants to be the quarterback who finally turns things around in Cleveland. Quote, first things first, they'd get a winner, he told reporters. If there's anyone who would turn that franchise around, it'd be me. They're close. They're very close. They've got the right pieces. I think they just need that one guy at quarterback. The Browns previously acquired Tyrod Taylor from the Buffalo Bills in an offseason trade. He's likely viewed as more of a short-term uh, kind of stopgap solution than the long-term answer. Taylor gives Cleveland the option to leave Mayfield or Allen, both of whom are less polished passers than Darnold or Josh Rosen from the UCLA Bruins on the bench for a redshirt year. Uh, the offense is otherwise set up for success. The Browns featured Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson at running back to go along with a star-studded group of receivers, which is highlighted by Josh Gordon, Jarvis Landry, and Corey Coleman. That's why getting the QB pick right is so important on Thursday night. So I, I still think that, Sam, that they should take Sam Darnold personally. <clears throat> now another story that has to do with Des Bryant. As Des Bryant looks for a new home for 2018, the Baltimore Ravens appear to be out of the running. Not because of a lack of interest in the former Dallas Cowboys star, but because the two reportedly couldn't reach common ground on a deal. NFL insider Ed Werder reported Wednesday that Bryant turned down a multi-year offer from Baltimore because he wants a one-year contract that would put him on the op <clears throat> that would put him on the open market at the start of free agency next year, allowing him to potentially cash in. <clears throat> Excuse me. After, after signing receivers Michael Crabtree, John Brown, and Devier Posey earlier this offseason, <clears throat> Baltimore recently added Willie Sned after the New Orleans Saints declined to match the restricted free agents to your $7 million offer sheet. Now Joe Flacco has help on the outside to improve a passing attack that ranked 29th last season. The three-time Pro Bowler has made it clear that his decision won't come down to money. His number one priority appears to be finding a way to stay in the NFC East so he can have two shots at the NFC East. Bryant was scheduled to make $12.5 million in 2018. While it's unclear if he will find a new deal for next season within that range, it appears the 29-year-old at least wants one more shot to get paid. Dallas did not release him until mid-April, nearly a month after the new league year began. 
Um, but by that point, his market was limited, as any team that that had a need at receiver likely already filled the role or the hole. Signing a one-year deal would give Bryant a chance to prove he still has plenty left in the tank and, and hit the market when free agency begins in 2019. Last season, the six foot two, 225-pound receiver got 69 pa- passes for 838 yards and six touchdowns. NFL Network's Ian Rapport reported on earlier today on Wednesday that Bryant is not expected to sign with a team until after this week's draft, which I already covered. So now, another story inside the world of European soccer. Real Madrid produced a poor performance but still managed to beat Bayern Munich 2-1 at the Allianz Arena on Wednesday to earn a crucial advantage from their, from their UEFA Champions League semifinal first leg. Substitute Marco Asensio took full advantage of Rafinha's disastrous mistake to net the eventual winner in the 57th minute of a remarkably low-quality encounter between two of Europe's best teams. Marcelo, Marcelo's fine strike had cancelled out Joshua Kimmich's opener late in a first half dominated by Bayern. Real were clinical in claiming what would be a crucial second away goal, but neither side conver- covered themselves in glory. There was, cer- there was, certainty little, there was certainly little on show uh, to worry Liverpool, who, who look set to be Bayern or um, Real's final opponents after thrashing Roma 5-2 in their semifinal first leg on Tuesday. So now a story inside the world of boxing here. Deontay Wilder's team made a significant offer to Anthony Joshua with the hope of setting up a fight between the two boxers in the United States. According to Lance Pugmire of the Los Angeles Times, Wilder's promoter Lou DiBella said the team emailed an offer of at least $50 million to Joshua on Wednesday. It stipulated the potential fight would take place stateside and happen between September and December. Pugmire noted Wilder already received a $12.5 million offer fight to fight Joshua in the United Kingdom. The report provided additional details for the offer, noting Joshua would receive 50% of the total if the revenue goes over $100 million. Showtime figures to broadcast the pay-per-view fight, and it's likely the matchup and it's likely the matchup would meet his revenue goal since the 2015 bout between Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao generated $600 million in revenue. The offer also didn't include a rematch clause for what would be a high-profile showdown between two undefeated fighters. Wilder moved to 40-0 with 39 knockouts after his technical knockout win over Luis Ortiz in March while Joshua handled Joseph Parker by unanimous decision the same month and improved to 21-0 with 20 knockouts himself. In addition to the win over Ortiz, Wilder defeated Berman Stavern by knockout and Gerald Washington by technical knockout in 2017, while Joshua notched technical knockout victories over Carlos Takam and Vladimir Klitschko. So um, my take on this is um, I think this fight should happen, and I think it will happen, and hopefully they can come up on an agreement, and um, I'm looking forward to it. So now a story inside the world of the NFL, switching gears here. Reuben Foster's ex-girlfriend, Alyssa Ennis, released a statement through her attorney Wednesday recanting her domestic violence allegations against the San Francisco 49ers linebacker. <clears throat> Quote, Foster did not strike her, injure her, or threaten her. Attorney um, Stephanie Ricard said, according to NBC Sports Bay Area's Matt Mayoko. Ricard uh, added that Ennis's injuries were the result of a physical fight with another woman and that Foster tried to end his relationship with Ennis after he learned of the fight. This is per Mayoko. Foster was charged with two felony counts of domestic violence, one felony count of possession of an assault weapon, and one felony count of attempting to prevent a victim from reporting a crime stemming from the alleged incident on February 11th. According to the Washington Post's Jacob Bogage, Foster reportedly, quote, dragged his girlfriend by her hair, physically threw her out of the house, and punched her in the head eight to ten times. Foster also allegedly ruptured her eardrum. (coughs) However, Ricard said on Wednesday that Ennis lied about Foster's actions that night, to the Santa Clara County District Attorney's Office and has video of the fight with the other woman to prove it. Quote, she was extremely upset and told him if he broke up with her, she would, uh, quote, trash his career. 
Ricard added, on Monday, 49ers general manager John Lynch told reporters Foster would be released if the allegations were true. Quote, I do want to be very clear, abundantly clear, that if these charges are proven true, if Ruben did indeed hit this young lady, he won't be a part of our organization moving forward, Lynch said, per the San Francisco Chronicle's Eric Branch. I think that's the standard we want on our team. That's the standard we're going to operate under. According to the Bay Area News Group's Cam Inman, the Santa Clara County's uh, District Attorney's Office said at Foster's arraignment that if that it will still prosecute him even if Ennis doesn't cooperate. A plea hearing will be held on Monday. Uh, so this is just kind of ridiculous in my opinion. That's all I have to say. It's just messed up. So now covering a playoff result in the NBA. The Houston Rockets are going to the second round of the NBA playoffs for the second straight year. Houston ended its first round series against the Minnesota Timberwolves on Wednesday with a 122-104 victory in Game 5 at the Toyota Center. MVP candidate James Harden led the way again with 24 points and 12 assists, capping a series that saw his team's lethal offense scoring triple digits in every game. The Rockets will play either the Oklahoma City Thunder or the Utah Jazz in the second round as they look to parlay the best record in the, in the NBA into a deep postseason run. Things didn't start the way Houston planned, especially in the backcourt. The Timberwolves hounded Harden and Chris Paul, challenging their outside looks while establishing a double-digit lead in the first half. The Houston guards combined for just 7 points on 3 of 16 shooting in the opening two quarters, and three-time all-defensive selection Jimmy Butler made life difficult on Harden when the Rockets' leader attempted to create space. Fortunately for the visitors, excuse me, for the victors, the supporting cast kept them within striking distance before they seized control in the second half. The price Minnesota paid for diverting additional attention uh, to where the backcourt was clean looks for Trevor Ariza, who had 16 points and four threes, PJ Tucker's 15, PJ Tucker 15 points and five threes, and Eric Gordon 19 points and three threes on the outside. Clint, Clint Capella 26 points and 15 rebounds, also consistently flashed to open spots in the paint and was rewarded with a number of dunks and lob plug controlling defensive rebounds. Keeping it close early was all Harden needed. While the Rockets didn't explode for 50 points in the third quarter like they did in Game Four. Harden put on a show to turn a four-point deficit into an 11-point lead, heading into the fourth with a mix of step-back threes, timely drives, and well-placed assists. He took over the game with 15 points in the quarter and largely buried the Timberwolves, all while Butler was left watching from the bench for stretches with his knee wrapped. Minnesota had nobody on the floor who could stay in front of Harden with the former Chicago Bulls sideline, and his ability to attract multiple defenders opened up looks for his teammates as Houston pulled away. Butler, deal, de Butler was dealing with the apparent uh, physical setback, with uh, and scored just eight points was and that was also a critical blow for Minnesota on the other end as it was left without its all-star wingman who can create off the bounce and shoot from the three. It put even more pressure on Carl Anthony Towns, especially since he scored in single dig digits in each of the first three games of the series. The Rockets swarmed his touches throughout the five-game battle, preventing him from taking over and and putting Minnesota in a position where it had to rely on on other players. However, the Kentucky product asserted himself on Wednesday and had a double-double by halftime. He took advantage on the blocks when facing single coverage and worked an inside-outside outside attack with Jeff Teague when shots didn't immediately present themselves. Uh, Towns finished with 23 points and 14 rebounds. Teague played the role of a scorer and facilitator with 17 points and 7 assists, and Jamal Crawford provided a spark off the bench with 20 points. Still, they were the only Timberwolves with more than 14, which was far from enough to counter Houston's offensive attack. Attention now turns to the second round for the Rockets, and their opponent is still unknown after Oklahoma City Thunder erased a 25-point deficit against Utah on Wednesday to prolong their series. Um, Houston was 4-0 uh, against the Jazz, but only 1-2 against the Thunder this season, but the Rockets also beat Russell Westbrook and OKC in the first round of last year's playoffs in only five games. So it's a big win for Houston, obviously. And I'll be covering the... Uh, 
the Thunder and uh, Jazz result in a second. The Atlanta Hawks, this is another story in the NBA. The Atlanta Hawks and a head coach, Mike Budenholzer, mutually agreed to part ways on Wednesday, the Hawks announced. ESPN.com's Adrian Wojnarowski first reported the news. Budenholzer joined the organization in 2013 after a long career as an assistant with the San Antonio Spurs, and he quickly transformed the team into a legitimate contender. After winning 38 games in 2013-14, the Hawks went 16-22 in 2014-15 for the best record in the Eastern Conference. The squad reached the Eastern Conference Finals that year for the first time since the NBA was divided into conferences in 1970-71, and Budenholzer was named the NBA Coach of the Year. Unfortunately, the Hawks haven't been able to match that success in recent years, eventually starting a rebuilding process after losing all-star players to trades and free agency. The coach relinquished his role as president following last season. Things went further south in the 2017-18 season, with the young roster struggling to, uh, to the worst record in the East. The organization missed the playoffs for the first time in 11 seasons. Quote, it's not easy to go through a season that we just had, Budenholzer said after the final game, per Alec McQuaid of 11 Alive. The 48-year-old should get plenty of opportunities in the future thanks to his youth and positive experience, both as the head coach and assistant, winning four NBA titles in his time in San Antonio. He interviewed with the Phoenix Suns before taking himself out of the mix, per Wojnarowski, while also meeting with the New York Knicks, per Michael Cunningham of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. However, Atlanta clearly wants to go in a different direction as it builds its, its new team into a contender. The Hawks have a quality of pieces, uh, uh, a, a lot of quality pieces going forward, including Dennis Schroeder, John Collins, and Tareen Prince, plus a soon-to-be-determined high pick in the 2018 NBA draft. Despite the struggles of the past season, the organization should be, should be able to find several quality candidates willing to find the role. So I, I hope it works out for them. So now the last thing we're going to be talking about that has to do with breaking news. Uh, LeBron James has never lost a first-round playoff series, and he moved one step closer to keeping that streak alive behind some signature heroics as the Cavs nabbed a dramatic 98-95 Game 5 win over the Indiana Pacers at Quicken Loans Arena on Wednesday night. After Cleveland choked away a double-digit fourth-quarter lead, James came up with a game-saving block when he denied Victor Oladipo's go-ahead layup attempt with five seconds remaining. On the next possession, James received the inbound pass, took a few quick dribbles to position himself atop the arc, and fired home a game-winning triple as time expired. According to ESPN Stats and Info, Wednesday's buzzer beater was the fourth of James's career and his first since 2015 against the Chicago Bulls in the playoffs, playoff buzzer beaters. It, it also pushed him past Michael Jordan in terms of clutch postseason efficiency. All told, LeBron finished with 44 points, 10 rebounds, and 8 assists, which resulted from a dominant second half. Before stringing together a sequence for the ages in game win in the game's waning uh, seconds, James provided prolific, uh, proved prolific during the third quarter that, that saw Cleveland outscore Indiana by 15 after entering the half down 7. During that crucial 12-minute stretch, he scored 15 points and assisted on 12 more in what was the start of a signature showing. Um, the Cavs now own a 3-2 series lead and will have an opportunity to send the Pacers packing on Friday when the series shifts back to Bankers Life Fieldhouse for Game 6. When that game tips off, Indiana will need more from Oladipo, who scored 12 points on 2 of 15 shooting on Wednesday. The most improved player frontrunner is 12 of 15 from the floor over his past three games and has entered a clear funk, as Yahoo Sports' uh, Chris Mannix and, Fo and Fox Sports' Nick Wright observed. Um, had it not been for another shaky outing, the Pacers may very well be in the driver's seat. May have, you know, they may have been. DeMontis Sabonis produced his finest effort of the series with 22, 22 points off the bench, and he played an instrumental role in helping build the Pacers' halftime lead thanks to easy converse, conversions against switches uh, in the post. Uh, plus, the Cavs didn't have much going their way outside of LeBron. While Kevin Love crashed the boards on both ends, 
with 10 rebounds. He managed a, uh, a meager 11 points on 11 shots. J.R. Smith, meanwhile, went scoreless in 33 minutes, which is unacceptable in my opinion. James outscored the Cavs' other four starters, 44-36. to That discrepancy was hardly ideal, but it was enough to put the Cavs ahead. Now in control, James and Cub will try to avoid a return to Quicken Loans Arena with a win on Friday night. If they can break through in enemy territory, a second-round showdown against the Toronto Raptors or Washington Wizards will await in round two. So this is obviously a huge win for Cleveland. I think if they lost this game, they would lose the series for sure because they would probably lose. They're, they're probably going to lose Game Six in Indiana either way. So now we're going to be covering the uh, Los Angeles sports teams and the NHL playoffs. So we're starting with the Dodgers. They lost today, their second straight loss. They lose to the series against the Miami Marlins, which is not ideal. So now they fall, the Dodgers fall to 11-12, and 12, and the Marlins are 7-17. Seven and 17. The Dodgers' next game is uh, Friday. They have a day off tomorrow, and then the next game is Friday, April 27th at 7.15 p.m. against the San Francisco Giants in San Francisco, California. It will be broadcasted on Sportsnet LA. So now the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, they lost to the Houston Astros today by a score of 5-2. to two. So the Angels fall to 16-9, and and the Astros improved to 17-9. and The Angels' next game is also on Friday, April 27th, so they have a day off tomorrow, uh, against the New York Yankees in Los Angeles uh, at 7.07 p.m. So now taking a look at the standings in baseball, uh, specifically Yankee, excuse me, Angels and Dodgers. So the Dodgers are still third in the National League West. Um, they're, they're, now, they're still a game and a half behind the Colorado Rockies for second. And they're still and they're now five games behind the Arizona Diamondbacks for first place. The Angels, on the other hand, fall to second in the AOS behind the uh, Houston Astros, and they're now behind. They're they're half game behind Houston and two games ahead of Seattle at second place. So uh, yeah, now covering the Los Angeles Galaxy, their next game. <laughs> excuse me, their next game is Saturday, April twenty eighth at, at seven thirty p.m. against the New York Red Bulls. And LAFC's next game is Sunday, April 29th at 6 p.m. against the Seattle Sounders. So now we're going to be covering the NHL playoffs real quick. Um, so there was only one game today. The Boston Bruins played the Toronto Maple Leafs in Game 7. Uh, Toronto came back from a 3-1 deficit in the series, but Boston took Game 7 by a score of 7-4, to and Boston advances to the conference semifinals. So that's that. So that's all we have for episode number 50 of Sean's Sports Show. Thank you guys for listening. All the other episodes are on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, and Google Play. Check those out. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. You can also rate on iTunes and subscribe on iTunes as well if you feel like doing a good deed. So thank you guys for listening. I appreciate the support. That's all we got. See you on the next one.